episode 22. Welcome to the podcast, Life of Awesome. My name is Saul Blinkoff. I'm a husband, father of four, and director-producer who works for some of the top studios in Hollywood, including Disney, DreamWorks, and Netflix. My goal? Simple. I want to live the best life I possibly can, and I want the same for you. I travel the world talking about life, and if there's one thing I've learned, every single person on the planet wants the exact same thing. We don't want a life of good. We don't want a life of great. We want a life of awesome. I really want to thank you for being here today listening. I realize there are so many podcasts out there, and I really appreciate you giving me the most valuable thing that you have, your time. If you like the podcast, please hit the subscribe button, give us a rating, a review, and of course, share it with your family and friends. That said, let's get into it. so excited today to reach the milestone of 22. Wow, we have done 22 episodes and uh, it's really been an exciting journey for me. Uh, 22 is a great number for me. It's actually my wife's birthday, October 22nd. So a shout out to my wife, Marion, for all her incredible support and love on building this podcast and uh, also to our four children. You know, it's a huge undertaking of time to create a podcast like this. And there's a lot of sacrifice that goes into it. Lots of time away from my family. And uh, I really do appreciate them for making that sacrifice so that I could create this and share all these ideas with all of you. And I urge each of you, please, if you haven't already, go check out SaulBlinkoff.com, where you will have each episode delivered directly to your inbox and sign up for other awesome content. And please share feedback along the way if you have any suggestions on how to make the podcast uh, more meaningful for you or topics you want to hear. Please uh, don't hesitate to reach out and email me directly from my website, saulblinkoff.com. And also check us out on Instagram. When I was a kid, I wanted to be an artist. And then I wanted to be a film director and an animator. But today, while I do make my career as an animation producer, I'm really in a role of leadership. But it was never my goal. I didn't say, when I grow up, I want to be a leader. And I'll tell you, it's not only part of my job, it's the best part of my job. Remember when you were a kid and you'd be at the playground and it would be just you or maybe your siblings were there and all of a sudden there's some other kids on a swing or something and before you know it there's five or six kids around you you don't even know them and you're just playing together whether it's a sport or whatever and then all of a sudden one of these kids will stand up and go oh i got an idea let's play i don't know pirates and in an instant everyone's playing pirates what made that kid think that he could sway everyone to do what he wanted to do and why did everyone follow him because as we're children, that's where leadership qualities start to surface. I think the reason others follow is because deep down, we believe the leader has our best interest in mind. We believe following them will be good for us. We trust them, which is why the most important quality or character attribute of any leader is they must be a person who genuinely cares for others. They must be empathetic of others. One of my absolute favorite movies of all time, 
Gladiator. It won Best Picture Oscar. Russell Crowe plays Maximus, the commander of the mightiest army in the world. He's got thousands and thousands of soldiers under his charge. And he commands absolute loyalty from his men and leads them on the battlefield. Not by going behind them saying, I want you to march in front of me. No, he's right in front of them, leading them in to battle, risking his own life and asking them to risk theirs. And in the first, I don't know, five, 10 minutes of the film, there's a giant battle. And after that battle, he's asked into the tent on the battlefield of the great Caesar himself. And the two of them are speaking privately. And they're talking about, you know, the vision of Rome and what's the fighting all for. And Maximus says, 5,000 of my men are out there in the freezing mud. 3,000 of them are bloodied and cleaved. 2,000 will never leave this place. I will not believe that they fought and died for nothing. You know what we learn from this? He's not thinking of himself. He's thinking of others. That's why they follow him. And eventually, when he's stripped of his honor, he's made a slave and ends up becoming a leader again, but this time to the slaves. doesn't matter what circumstance he's put in, he always rises to leadership because oil always rises. If someone has leadership qualities, they'll be a leader in everything because at his core, he cares about others. And I remember my first job at Disney as a director was in the early 2000s, and me and my directing partner were directing Winnie the Pooh's Springtime with Rue. And if you asked me what my job was as a director, I would tell you, I'm focused on the storytelling. It's the script, the storyboard, animation, acting, performance, layout, color, music, sound effects, tone, tempo, camera moves. That was my job. I was a filmmaker. But one of the things I never really thought was part of my job, I never realized when I took the job, was that I'm also a leader. I'm leading people. I never really thought about that until I was thrown into that role. And I had to kind of grow into that role. And I remember one day there were some executives that were going to be coming by to tour the animation studio. And I was asked to give them like, you know, behind the scenes tour of how the animation's done and meet some of the artists, that sort of thing. And we had this one guy on our movie who was like so unbelievably talented. He also had the coolest name, Arlen Jewell. Maybe he'll find this episode one day and listen. It'd be pretty cool. And Arlen Jewell could draw trees like nobody's business. And if you know the Winnie the Pooh world, you know that Winnie the Pooh, those trees, they're drawn with this beautiful style that was actually established years and years ago before Walt Disney even acquired the rights to Winnie the Pooh by the artist E.H. Shepard. This is in the 1800s, early 1900s. So I went up to Arlen. I said, hey, Arlen, you know what? Like in 20 minutes, I'm going to be bringing a bunch of executives through here and I want you to show them how you draw trees. They would love that. And he says, okay. I go back to my office, five minutes later, knock at the door. It's Arlen. He tells me, Saul, I'm not really comfortable. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, I'm not really comfortable drawing trees like that. I said, Arlen, you draw trees every day. He's like, no, but I, I can't draw them for other people. When people are watching me, it makes me nervous. I said, okay, well, look, I don't want to make you uncomfortable. No problem. He leaves the office, goes back to his desk. Then all of a sudden it hits me. Like, what kind of leader am I? Like, someone could say, yeah, you gave him the space he needed. You didn't push him to do anything that made him uncomfortable. But then I thought in my head, maybe this is my opportunity to kind of encourage him and show him that I believe in him. So I go over to his desk and I say, hey, Arlen, I, I know you said you weren't interested in doing this, but I just got to tell you, I know that you would do a great job. I watch you draw all the time. You're a great communicator. I just want you to know that I think you would be great. And I promise you, they will be mesmerized 
by watching your talent. Then I walked away. An hour later, I was touring the executives. And as I walk by Arlen and skip over him, I hear a voice call me. Uh, Saul, would you mind bringing them by here? He totally surprised me. I said, sure. And I brought them right by his desk. And they stood by and watched him draw effortless trees, beautiful trees, like whimsical, amazing trees right out of the 100-acre wood. And he was explaining how he did it, how he used the side of the pencil. It was awesome. At the end of the day, Arlen comes into my office and says, thank you for encouraging me to do something I didn't want to do. Thank you for encouraging me to get out of my comfort zone. And I said, what, what made you end up doing it? He said, I thought about it. And it was the fact that you asked me to do it. That gave me confidence. The fact that you believed in me. I remember leaving that day, driving home, thinking, wow, as a filmmaker, I never thought that was part of my job. I thought I had to be great at filmmaking. That was the moment where I saw the greatest power of leadership is the opportunity to empower people to realize their own unique potential. It's the same as parenting. Our jobs as parents is to help nurture the confidence in our children, not to just constantly remind them of how we see them, but to nurture them to be able to see their own wonderful qualities and limitless potential in themselves. Being a parent is being a leader. When you lead people, there are times when you need to push them. You need to push them hard, harder than they're used to being pushed, maybe. And it has to be because you're motivated, because you see their potential. And you need to keep in mind that the better they perform individually, the better it is for the team or the company. Because as a person grows, the company grows. But when you push them out of that comfort zone, they can begin to resent you. You know, unfortunately, not everybody wakes up with the clarity to want to grow. Not everybody wants to get out of their comfort zone. Many people are content with the status quo, with doing as little as they can to succeed. You know, they settle on good. Great is so out of their reach and awesome. That's never even a thought. So if you're the kind of person who is motivated to grow and build a successful team or company of any kind, you need to make sure you surround yourself with people that have the same goal you do. And we need to constantly remind ourselves being a good leader doesn't mean you're going to be the most popular, that everyone's going to like you. They don't need to like you. Steve Jobs had a funny quote. He said, if you want to make everyone happy, don't be a leader. Sell ice cream. Many of you who have been listening to the podcast know it's pretty difficult for me to do a podcast and not bring in a quote from Michael Jordan. And it's pretty well known that he was tougher on his teammates than he was to the players on the opposite team. Winning has a price. And leadership has a price. So I pulled people along when they didn't want to be pulled. I challenged people when they didn't want to be challenged. My mentality was to go out and win at any cost. If you don't want to live that regimented mentality, then you don't need to be alongside of me. Because I'm going to ridicule you until you get on the same level with me. And if you don't get on the same level, then it's going to be hell for you. Because he drove them to the highest level of excellence. He was a tyrant in practice and never allowed any of his teammates to play at any level less than 100%. Because that's the level he played at. Once you join the team, you live at a certain standard that I played the game. And I wasn't going to take any less. You ask all my teammates, the one thing about Michael Jordan was... He never asked me to do something that he didn't do. I wanted to win, but I wanted them to win and be a part of that as well. One of his teammates, Bill Wennington, said, He was pushing us all to be better because he wanted to win. And guess what? 
it worked. You see, Michael Jordan was known for not just being the greatest basketball player that ever lived, but for helping his teammates be better themselves. That's real leadership. To be effective as a leader, your team must believe in their core that you are motivated by wanting to see their collective and individual success. Boom. Another one of my favorite movies that I've shared clips before is the movie Braveheart. Oscar-winning, best-picture movie, Mel Gibson's character, William Wallace, fights for freedom. He doesn't have, he's, he's not the leader of an army. He's just a normal guy that gives everything he has for this cause. And as he becomes more and more successful as a leader and starts building this army bigger and bigger, there's another army that's also fighting for freedom. But they all have the hierarchy of the leadership and the nobles. And some of them actually feel threatened by William Wallace because he's just fighting, but he wasn't appointed a role. But finally, he does so well on the battlefield, they finally accept him and they give him this little ceremony where they honor him. I knight thee, Sir William Wallace. In the name of God, we declare and appoint thee guardian and high protector of Scotland and thy captains as aide de camp. Stand and be recognized. They give him a medal, they give him a title, and after they give him this award, this honor, they start arguing. And you're prepared to recognize our legitimate succession. Are you're you? the ones who won't support the rightful Those claim. were lies when you first wrote them. Oh, no, no, that's true. Hey, I demand recognition of And he just walks right out of the room. Because they're all talking about politics, and their egos are in play. And he's like, all right, I'm out. And he just walks out. And who follows him? Robert the Bruce. Robert the Bruce is the guy who's destined to be the next king. He's next in line on the throne, but he doesn't have that conviction and passion. He's in these discussions with these nobles about politics and this, and the two of them are walking, and Robert the Bruce is trying to convince William Wallace that, you know what, you need to play nicely with these nobles. I want what you want, but we need the nobles. And William Wallace responds. Now tell me, what does that mean to be noble? Your title gives you claim to the throne of our country. But men don't follow titles. They follow courage. And one of the most amazing, powerful scenes in the movie, instead of William Wallace looking to Robert the Bruce and saying, I'm fighting on the field. I'm giving my life for freedom. Why don't you follow me? He turns to Robert the Bruce and he says, Now our people know you, noble and common. They respect you. And if you would just lead them to freedom... They'd follow you. And so would I. Boom. You hear it? He says, they would follow you and so would I. And there's a look on Robert the Bruce's face. He's stunned. He has no response. This man who I look up to, William Wallace, this great fighter, he would follow me? That's what makes William Wallace a great leader. Because of his humility, he builds up those around him. Jack Welch says, before you are a leader, success is all about growing yourself. When you become a leader, success is all about growing others. I remember in the early 2000s, uh, me and my directing partner were coming off of that Winnie the Pooh movie we were directing. We get called into the office of the top executive at Disney, and she says to us, look, the movie Kronk's New Groove is in development, the sequel to Emperor's New Groove. There's a director on the movie. He just doesn't have the right tone. The comedy's not playing. We just fired him. We were like, whoa. And she goes, here's the deal. 
we got hundreds of people working on this movie. It's been in development for a year. We've spent millions of dollars on it already. I want you guys to look at the movie and tell me if it's salvageable. If you think it's salvageable, then I want you guys to direct this movie. But if you think it's dead, we're going to shut it down. So me and my directing partner go back to our office. We watch the movie in the stage that it's in, and it's just not good. It's in shambles. The story's not playing, the emotion's not there, the comedy's not hitting, and we thought, like, this is a huge responsibility. If she shuts down this movie, think of all those people that are going to lose their jobs. This would be a great opportunity for us to really be able to show them what we could do and try to fix this movie. So we stay up, like, all night rewriting the script, coming up with these ideas. We pitch it the next day. She loves our vision. We're directing the movie. That first week, meeting after meeting with everybody on the show, the editors, writers, animators, just trying to see the tone of everybody, trying to get a sense of what everyone who's been on the production for the last year brings to the table. It's kind of like a conductor. You got to know who your musicians are if you're going to have an inkling of what sound you're going to be able to produce. And we noticed that the editor on the movie was just not hitting what we thought was good storytelling. Here was a guy that was editing a comedic movie, and we just didn't feel that he had a great sense of timing. If your timing is off, the jokes don't play. And we had given him chance after chance and gave him a sequence to edit, and he just didn't didn't play. And eventually, we had to let him go. It was a very difficult decision because this guy was a father, you know, had a family. We knew we were cutting his paycheck. Very, very difficult decision. This wasn't using leadership to inspire someone to draw trees. This is using our responsibility as leadership to have to make a decision over a man's income. Very, very hard. But we knew that in order to do our job effectively, we had to do that. Quite often, being a leader means you have to make very difficult decisions, which is probably one of the reasons many people don't want to be leaders. They don't think that they could even lead. The truth is everyone has the potential to lead. People get held back and they think, oh, leaders are, you know, super good looking, charismatic, brilliant thinkers, you know, great academics, et cetera, et cetera. But the truth is, if you are a friend, then you're a leader. If you're a sibling, you're a leader. If you're a teacher, you're a leader. If you're a spouse, you're a leader. If you work alongside anyone, you lead. If you're a parent, you lead. The truth is that if you're in touch with your humanity at all, you are a leader, or at least have the potential to be. Seth Godin is a prolific thinker, has incredible books on marketing. He's got a book called Tribes, and he says, quote, for the first time ever, everyone in an organization, not just the boss, is expected to lead. The very structure of today's workplace means that it's easier than ever to change things and that individuals have more leverage than ever before. You know what he's telling us? Leading is not for the select few. It's for everyone. Everyone has the potential to lead, to step up and influence those around them in order to make change. It's an incredibly empowering quote. And we should think about what are those changes that we want to make? You know, when I was hired at DreamWorks as a producer, the first couple of weeks, I had to hire lots and lots of artists. Artists were coming in every day. And whether I was interviewing a storyboard artist or a director, I said to every one of them in the meeting, look, is it cool to be at DreamWorks? Yeah, it's cool. Is it cool to be working on a Madagascar franchise? 
because the show we make is Madagascar a Little Wild, which you should all go check out on Hulu or Peacock. But I looked at them and I said, as cool as that all is, what's most important to me is that everyone goes home at the end of the day and they feel respected and appreciated, that they feel like they're contributing to the bigger picture. You see, that's the most important value that me and the other producers and leadership on our show subscribe to above all else. Because let me tell you, I've worked on shows where I've had leadership above me that treated me terribly, that treated others terribly, that bullied us, that made you feel like you didn't contribute anything. I know what that feels like. And I said, someday, if I ever get to be in that leadership, I'm going to do things differently. And as a leader, you get to create the culture for your team that represent the values that you live. Walt Disney himself said, every leader is telling a story about what he or she wants. That's an incredible responsibility. Warren Bennis is a world-renowned expert on organizational development. He's written 27 books on leadership, and he shares a very clear distinction between managers and leaders. Listen to this. Amazing. Managers administer. Leaders innovate. Managers ask how and when. Leaders ask what and why. Managers maintain. Leaders develop. Managers rely on control. Leaders inspire trust. Managers accept the status quo. The way things are. Leaders challenge the status quo. Managers have an eye on the bottom line. Leaders have an eye on the horizon. Managers imitate. Leaders originate. Those are the qualities that embody successful leaders. But in order to be a successful leader, a person needs to rely on their team. John Maxwell, incredible speaker, says, quote, In today's world, the executive's job is no longer to command and control, but to cultivate and coordinate the actions of others. Only when leaders come to see themselves as incomplete, having both strengths and weaknesses, will they be able to make up for their missing skills by relying on others. You know what he's telling us? You want to be great, you can't do it alone. Your job in leadership, and it doesn't mean you have to be the head of the company. If you work alongside anyone, your job is cultivate and coordinate. How do you get the best out of people around you? How do you incorporate their greatness in places where you're missing something? Steve Jobs says, it doesn't make sense to hire smart people and tell them what to do. We hire smart people so they can tell us what to do. You see, our ego has to be down. Only then can we embrace the strengths of others. George Lucas, one of the greatest filmmakers, he was once interviewed right after Star Wars came out. They asked him, why was Star Wars so much better than your previous movies? He says, because the previous movies I made were smaller movies and I controlled everything. On Star Wars, I tried to control everything, but there was a point where it just got so big that I had to empower the people around me to do their jobs. And once I let go control, it created a space where others could collaborate, where they could inject their ideas. And that's what made Star Wars better. I tell people at work all the time, you got to leave your ego at the door. We need to recognize that everyone has something to contribute. Everyone has a unique point of view. 
need to listen to the ideas of people around us. Give them credit for their good ideas. Believe me, you won't lose. Life coach and best-selling author Lisa Hasha says, Great leaders don't set out to be a leader. They set out to make a difference. It's never about the role. It's always about the goal. As a leader, it's your job to inspire your team with a vision to believe in. Leadership is not an honor. It's a responsibility. You see, weak leaders, they measure success by money, position, honors, power. Strong leaders, great leaders, measure success by the difference they make in other people's lives. Inspirational quote of the week. Educator, businessman, and the author of the famous book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, Stephen Covey, said, quote, Leadership is a choice, not a position. All we need to do is wake up every day with the goal of wanting to elevate those around us by taking responsibility to stand up and see where there's a need. In order to be a leader, you got to look and say, where can I step up and do something that other people aren't doing? We need to look into our lives and see where we can make that difference. Because if we take responsibility for the world and ultimately live a life that's not just about us, and where can we become leaders? Everywhere. In all of our interactions with people, we need to care about other people. We need to empathize with them. We need to know what they're going through. We need to inspire passion and give people a vision to believe in. And only when we embrace our true potential as a leader can we truly lead a life of awesome. Thank you so much for being here today listening. I really appreciate you spending your time with me. Please, again, subscribe, like us, rate us, review us, share us with your family and friends. And I truly hope that each and every one of you has an incredible life and not just a life that's good and not just a life that's great, but that each and every one of you has a life of awesome. Chili, don't you dance? Chili, don't.